and welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. You're listening to the podcast for people who want to learn about the government market from the contracting officer's perspective. If you are a contracting officer, we hope to give you a little more insight into industry's perspective. This is part two of our conversation about what is Section L and what is Section M. In part one, we covered the what and described how the content in Section L and Section M can impact the government acquisition team and industry. In part two, we get a little bit more into why that's important. This episode is sponsored by the Skyway Connection. If you need help with the government market from a team of contracting officers, go to skywayacquisition.com slash connect. All right, let's pick it up where we left off. All right, so we've covered what Section L and M are. Let's talk about why they matter and why you care if you're on the industry side and why you care as a, as a CEO. So Section L tells offers exactly how to bid. Section M tells them how, how, to, how to win it or, or lose it for, for that matter. And it's very important from the industry side that you pay attention to Section M and Section L during the draft RP phase. If you don't understand something in Section L, you need to ask a question and make it clear so that you're not accidentally thrown out of the competition for, for, for something that was clear to the, the government but wasn't clear to you. You also need to pay attention to Section M because the, the relative importance and what they say they're going to evaluate can decide whether you win or you lose. And during the draft phase and, and even before that, you have a chance to shape Section M to make it more favorable to you. Now, every other contractor is doing the same thing, but if you don't take that opportunity, if, if like your example before was past performance, if past performance is not the most important thing to them, but that's what you have the most of, you've been doing this forever, you have a chance to convince them to make past performance more important in the evaluation. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe they'll change the RFP. It, that's a, a great example of, of why it makes sense to be paying attention and why and when, when the RFP comes out and it's the first time you've seen it, it's pretty safe to assume that somebody else responded to an RFI or, or for that matter, knew the contract was expiring in, in a year and sent a letter to the contracting officer and says, hey, when you recompete this, would you consider you know, fill in the blank? So and another kind of big picture perspective here is that if you haven't picked up from, from, our, from the conversation, L&M have to match is what the government asks for in Section L is what they're going to evaluate in Section M. So let me give you an example. If they say, and, and this, is, this is an interesting one, they're buying motorcycles. And they say, okay, we need you to give us five product samples. So five motorcycles, we're going to have uh, the people ride them and say it's, I don't know, pick one. Say it's uh, Border Patrol needs motorcycles for some reason. And and they're probably more likely by ATVs, but anyway. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're going to get five product samples, and they're going to test the product samples. They're going to put them through all these, these tests, and they're going to say you know, how fast they go, how, how stable they are, um, how, much, how much fuel they consume, how loud they are, you know, whatever, right? Well, then that's what they said they were going to test. So you gave them a product based on those characteristics, how loud, how fast, and how much fuel it would use. Well, then they get the five product samples, and they only test them for how loud they are. They didn't test for other things. Well, guess what? If they were only testing you on that, you would have probably given them a different motorcycle, 
right? <laughs> right. So that's why they, they, you, have to, you have to do what you said you would do, which goes back to the minimum number of criteria. Is don't overload yourself with all these things that, that you don't really care about as a contracting officer. Or, and, and let me put the acquisition team in the conversation here. As a program manager, as the user, don't load up a, a bunch of stuff in that that you don't, that it's nice to have. Because everything that's nice to have, if you ask them for it, you've got to evaluate it. Because they're, put, they're thinking it's the thing that's going to make them win, and you're wasting their time and yours if it doesn't make that big of a difference because you got to evaluate it. Right, and it goes, that goes back to the, the relative importance things as well. If you said gas mileage is the most important thing, they're going to propose a motorcycle that gets the best gas mileage. If you say top speed is the most important thing, they're going to propose what the, the top speed. So if you, not only do you have to evaluate everything, but you have to be consistent. You, you, as a, from the industry side, that is your go no go decision. But just just seeing the relative order, if you make the most fuel efficient motorcycles in the world, you're probably not going to bid on the competition that wants super fast ones that downplays the uh, the gas mileage. Right, and, and so here's a here's a historical example, and this is this is what contracting officers call geeking out. Ooh, I love historical so, examples. Was, was, I was watching the History Channel once, and this is uh, World War II. They were buying motorcycles. That's why this popped in my head, and I. I can't give you the exact episode that, but it, they were buying a Harley Davidson motorcycle versus an Indian. And this is back in the forties. So the far wasn't, didn't exist. These laws didn't apply back then for the most part. So put aside the fact that this is going to sound weird, but here, here's what happened. And I'm just, I'm watching this on the history channel as a contracting officer. And what happened was government said, we need a 500 CC motorcycle that will do all these great things. And for whatever reason, Harley Davidson was able to make a 750 CC motorcycle. They could do, Obviously, it's a bigger engine, but it could do all the same stuff. Well, in the end, the, the competitors put in a 500cc motorcycle. Well, of course, if you're the user, you look at that and go, well, I'd much rather have the 750cc one. And so we're going to award that contract to them, and off they went. And you watch the History Channel example, and if you're a fan of motorcycle industry, you'll, you'll see how this played out well for Harley and not so much for other people. Think how that would play out now. And, and again, I'm not saying this was bad back then, because this is 70 years ago. It was a di- the same the laws didn't apply, but it's my probably the reason, why, it's probably why the the particular FAR regulations were written because of situations just like that. And that's what popped in my head when I'm watching this. I'm thinking this is why we have this system because fast forward to now. If we said, okay, we want a five hundred cc motorcycle and do all these great things, and all of a sudden somebody ignores the five hundred cc, gives you a much more expensive motorcycle that's seven hundred and fifty cc's. It's you know it's a fifty percent larger engine. I mean it's a whole it's a different bike really. I mean it's probably getting an extra cylinder. It's a different animal. So now the companies who get kicked out, they're going to go. Well, dude, if you'd asked me for a seven fifty, I'd have given. I make one. It's sitting right next to it. That's not hard. But you asked for a five hundred. See how different this is. And so that's section L and M saying we're going to evaluate you based on how powerful this engine we asked for is relative to these criteria. Well, of course, the engine is going to be very different if it's 50% bigger. So, and that's a real, that's a historical example, you know, and, and like I said, go Google on the History Channel and see if you get the same reaction. Getting into the importance of writing your requirements. Exactly. Sorry, if you're specific, great. you're going to get specific. If all you need, if all you need is a motorcycle that, that meets certain performance parameters, you got to keep the, the, the CCs out of it, right? Correct. Yeah. And so let's um, I'll jump into another more recent example is this idea of we, we did the, the uh, podcast about debriefings and debriefing is and I'm, I'm quoting one of one of the I, I appreciate one of the comments from uh, from one of the folks that, that listens to the podcast uh, Francis Puango 
is the contracting officer. And his quote was, Section M is the butter for a smooth debriefing. And I actually asked him if I could quote him, so I'm just throwing this out there. But it's a great analogy for it is that Section M needs to say, this is what we're going to do. So when you get the debriefing and we say, look, we did what we said we we're going to do, you're not surprised. And, we, and if you listen to the debriefing, we talked about people are okay if they lose as long as they, for the most part, they're not okay with it, but you know, they're, they're, they're not going to get put you in a headlock and freak out over it because they knew why they lost. Well, Section M is that's how you're, you're telling them, if you do this, you're going to win. If you don't do these things or you do them badly, you're going to lose. Right. And if you've buttered it right, you're pretty much bulletproof from a protest because there's not, there's not much that prevents the government from making a very bad decision, but there is a lot that prevents them from not following the rules. So at, uh, from the government side, if you've, if you've done exactly what you said to do, you, that you were going to do in Section L and Section M, and a contractor doesn't like your opinion after you've evaluated everything exactly like you said, that's not really protestable. Your opinion is not. But if you didn't, if you said that technical was more important than management, and so the the people with the better management edged out a better technical solution, then it comes into question because you didn't do quite quite what you said you were going to do in your section L and M. Correct. So the, the, let's zoom out and go to the idea. The basic idea here is section L tells offers how to bid. That's really what it's doing. How, what, do you, what do I want to see as a contracting officer? Tell, tell them how to bid. Section M tells them how to win or lose. <laughs> or lose. Because it's really what you're saying. It's like this, if you don't do these things well, you're going to lose. Right. So, so if you're listening to that from the industry side, Section L tells you what and how to propose. So exactly how many binders, how many pages, what, what you need to talk about in each section. Section M, each section of your proposal, not L or M. Section M tells you <laughs> how to win and how much focus you need to put on different parameters. Again, with with whether technical gets more or management gets more, Section M tells you things if you read between the lines. And another another quote from my friend Katie is is you got to mine for the golden nuggets in Section L and M because how to win is in there and how to lose is in there but <laughs> yep. you you have to read between the lines to you, you or let me get back to the mining you have to dig to find those golden nuggets that are going to tell you how to win yes and 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 if you and here's another part section m is going to tell you if you can win yeah because going back to if there's if they're if they're basing this on let's say section m says past performance is significantly more important than than management significantly more important than everything else for that matter. Let's say they word it that way. And you have no past performance and you yep. have no subcontractors with past performance and you're just, because you can do this. Unless you you're delusional, you need to walk away. Exactly. So th- that's why it's so important to, this is why we do these podcasts is make people understand if you have section, if section M says past performance is the most important and you have no past performance, you're submitting a proposal going back to the, if you went the podcast number one, why we're doing this, the system's clogged up. This is a great example of that. If you have no past performance and they clearly state past performance is the most important feature, you are, and I'm, I'm being accusatory, but as a, as a taxpayer, this is an issue for me, you are one of the reasons that it's taking longer <laughs> to get stuff done because you're not going to win. And 
But because of the laws, the equal play, the, the level playing field, all that kind of stuff, the contracting officer has to evaluate what you sent in. They got to read through all the rest of your stuff, which may be great. But if you have no past performance, there's a strategy there. We can get into whether or not this, 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 you can actually say we have no past performance and therefore it's neutral. I mean, okay, there's a whole other issue there. And, and so this is still a 90% answer. But functionally speaking, if you don't have any past performance and they told you that's the most important, I got I, I to ask, why are you going after this? Find something else to bid on. So from an industry perspective, why do you care so much about section L, L and M? Like you, you got like, like, like you're saying, you got to read them and understand them. And if you don't, ask questions. And then if you still don't, ask more questions. And then if you still don't, decide how important this work is to you because you either need, you have, you have a fork in the road now as from an industry perspective. And, and I'm telling you, I'm going kind of gangbusters on this because as a contracting officer, I didn't see this as clearly when I was, when I was doing this as I do now. You're at a fork in the road as industry saying, okay, either I'm going to dig in and get these questions answered and hold up whatever I'm doing until I get them answered or I'm going to walk away. Because for, for me too, it's that whole, uh, that Einstein idea of, you know, of if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, it's, it's a definition of insanity. Getting the same result, it's a definition of insanity. So you kind of get to this point of, I either need to decide, am I going to dig in on this because I really want this customer? I really think that I can do a great job here. I know that we can win this if we structure our, our opportunity correctly. You know, whatever your reasoning is, decide that. Or do you just walk away from it? And this the next, one of the next podcasts we need to do re- relatively soon is this idea of targeting your opportunities. Yeah. This is one of those moments where you, you got to decide, is this worth re- the resources of, again, if you're a small business, that's who we're mostly targeting here is the, the companies that, you know, Lockheed's got people talking about this crap. Okay. I get that. But the smaller companies, if it, I, I, if you can tell from the passion in my voice here, it's frustrating for me for them to not realize that it's okay to walk away from stuff that, Section M clearly told you you're not going to be competitive for it. Yeah. And go spend your resources on stuff that Section M goes, wow, that's exactly how we can win it. Yeah, I can see two paths with that. If, if you're reading the RFP and you're asking a lot of questions and you don't, still don't understand what they want, there is a possibility that it's a badly written RFP. There's also the possibility that you, sh- you don't understand you, you think that you're selling what they want to buy, but you really don't. If you don't understand what they're asking for, it's a possibility that you're just not a fit. There's also the possibility that, that it's just a horribly written RFP. But if, if, if you're just reading the RFP and you don't understand what they want to buy, you may be too late to actually be competitive anyway. You, you kind of need to understand uh, this, is, this goes all back to your targeting thing, Kevin. But and, you, and- you need to understand before the RFP is released, you need to understand what they want to buy. And another thing that we're, we're kind of over, overshadowing here or is overshadowing the conversation is what time zone are you in? If you don't understand the RFP during a draft RFP and, and, and the contracting officer sends out a draft RFP and, and saying that we plan to, to release the RFP, I don't know, 45 days from now, here's the draft. And you don't understand it at that point. Okay, that's a different issue because now you have it, they're asking for your input. What I'm talking about is that the RFP came out. You got you know T minus twenty days before your your proposals due for a one million, five million, fifty million dollar uh, requirement, and at that point you not even close to understanding the evaluation criteria. Or if you understand them and you think you know what I I can't I don't have the past performance or I can't compete on price, and they've said price is the most important thing here at that point because now we're in the RFP the time zone you know you listen to the time zone when we talk about 
the temperature is different here. It's a different world. So understand you know, the context of what we're talking about here is how you treat section L and M has a lot to do with what time zone you're in. So the, the, the passionate version I'm talking about here is when you're in the RFP stage. If you're in the RFP stage and you're seeing these problems, I save yourself and the process some time and either wait for it to be recompeted, look at another one. You know, it, there's just, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Don't get hung up. Don't get so married to one that you, you know, shoot yourself in the foot. So yep. sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of on a soapbox again. Yeah, we hit one of your favorite points. All right. Yeah. So let's sum this up. We talked about what section L and M are. Talked about when you'll run into them and brushed upon when you won't run into them, why they're important to the acquisition team, why they're important to COs, and then we got off on a bunch of like little tangents that are mostly related to that, but still interesting, at least to you and I. So what else do we need to tell them today? <laughs> you know, I, I think I think we're kind of we filled up a lot of content here. Um there's a few other areas we could talk about. I think we'll we'll kick into maybe the key areas of importance in the source selection later, um, the acquisition team, how they play into this whole process. I, I think for, for now, I want to get some feedback from people on, on what more do you want to learn about Section L and M? Yeah, uh, do, there's I, definitely a whole cast or two about Section L and about lessons learned, a whole cast about Section M and lessons learned, and uh, dovetail that into uh, debriefings and protests and all the other things. There, there, there are plenty of stories out there Exactly. And, and so there are two areas that I, I, I'm, I'm asking, you, you listeners, I'm asking for your input on, we, we want to know who you are. Uh, we, we know some of you from the perspective of, there's you know, government folks that are, that are chiming in, some contracting officers, you heard me quote one. Uh, at the same time, we'd like to hear what's the ratio of, I mean, there's a lot of industry folks, there's a lot of government folks. I've been really surprised that, and, and here's the next plug, on, on Twitter. I mean, we have the contracting officer podcast it's, it's at contract podcast is our, is our Twitter handle. Reach out to us and say, Hey, I, this is what I like. This is what I didn't like. I mean, we're looking for feedback. And then the personal part that I like about it is what do you want to hear more about? Because you and I struggle with how much content to put in each one of these, how deep into the weeds do we, do we go? Uh, we actually talked about, do we, do we do an entire 45 minute podcast on just section L? Yeah. Do we need like masterclass podcast versus <laughs> top level podcast? Right. And, and if we only do, only did section L we're, you know, we're, we're showing you one side of the mirror and that, that may actually not be as, as useful. So there's a lot more stuff we could talk about just in these. And so we, yeah, we struggle with how much content to, to add to each one and, and how deep into the weeds we go. So I, I appreciate, I'm starting to get some feedback on folks or from, sorry, on, on Twitter from folks. So continue to do that. And then same thing on the, on the podcast group on the, on LinkedIn, there's a contracting officer podcast group. And then we also have a company page now, either one of those, you know, just, you know, post your thoughts, post your, your input. We're at over, I think we're at like 6,000 downloads now. So there's a lot of people listening and a lot of people who have great insight and a lot of, a lot of you have experience doing some of this stuff. And there are things that we say that you're like, well, okay, when you say it doesn't apply in some cases, well, here's an example of some of those cases. So, you know, this isn't meant to be the Kevin and Paul show. This is a open, this is a discussion environment. So anytime that I can quote a contracting officer like Francis, or I can use some insights from from other uh, folks. We're going to bring them in. Right. So, so remember that you know public forums that the LinkedIn page is a great place to have these discussions. Twitter's great. Privately, I always say questions, comments, complaints. Send them to Kevin <laughs> at contractingofficerpodcast.com dot com or Paul at Kev, at the Paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. dot com. And we've had we've had several people email us, ask us questions and give us feedback, but they don't really want to go public with it. And I can totally understand that. 
Right. And, and so the, the, the other kind of big takeaway here is that you can spend a lot of your time listening to lots of different podcasts, and we appreciate your listening to this. And it's really been in, you know, I guess this is going to be number 10, and it's just been humbling to get so much great feedback from people and have so many of you say, I really appreciate this information. This is really useful. So it, it, I appreciate so personally appreciate so much of the feedback and, and support. So I just wanted to put that out there. So last thing, the main complaint has been subscription services don't seem to be working yet. And how can I listen to this on other platforms besides iTunes? And we're working on the subscription service piece of it. And also we just uh, enabled SoundCloud, right? Correct. So go to, in fact, you probably saw me post it all over the place on Twitter and LinkedIn. But if you look, go into soundcloud.com and then type in Contracting Officer Podcast and you'll see it there. And you can subscribe there also. And so it's a different platform that the same content shows up there. So just just a heads up, we're we're slowly expanding with, you know, getting a little bit more resources here and there and and getting better at this. And and like we said from the beginning, our goal is to have great content and then figure the rest of this out. (laughs) All right. I think that sums it up. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks.